السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والعاقبة للمتقين ولا عدوان إلا على الظالمين وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له إله الأولين والآخرين وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله المصطفى الأمين صلى الله وسلم وبارك عليه وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين أما بعد Welcome to another episode of our tafsir, page by page. Inshallah ta'ala, today we are on page 38, which is tafsir of Surah Al-Baqarah, the second juz. In the previous couple of episodes, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given to us in these passages in Surah Al-Baqarah a number of the ahkam and rulings concerning different issues that pertain to the Muslim's life. Some of those issues are to do with divorce, others to do with marriage, others to do with inheritance and so on. Uh, in today's passage, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is continuing with the theme of uh, divorce and, and issues related to it. And that is because, as we mentioned before, the Arabs were very oppressive in the way that they dealt with this issue of divorce. In the sense that the male, the husband, essentially had all of the rights, and the wife, the woman, had little to no rights. And she had little to no recourse either. And because that's the general way of the Arabs in terms of their whole society, the wife would find it difficult to even seek recourse with her own father, her own brother, people who are from her own family, her own blood, who should be there to protect her and look after her her well-being and safeguard her. Even they weren't able to really do much because it was just the general norm amongst the Arabs. And that that is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions to us in the Quran a number of the issues concerning divorce. Because Allah Azzawajal sometimes He mentions certain rulings in general, like He tells us that something is legislated, for example the salah, but the vast majority of the detail of salah is found in the Sunnah of the Prophet. The Prophet Allah Azzawajal, for example, tells us to make Hajj, but the vast majority of the details of the Hajj are found in the Sunnah of the Prophet. But some issues Allah Azzawajal mentions in detail. He speaks about them on a number of occasions and gives to us a number of the more, if you like, detailed rulings and ahkam concerning them. And this is one of the reasons, because they were major issues. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to show the importance of these issues and to highlight the oppression that was committed, Allah azza wa reveals verses in the Quran concerning it. And that is why the book of Allah azza wa the Quran, is more than just a book of stories. It is more than just a book of, for example, instructions. But rather, it is a book of law as well. We take the main source or the main source of our law, our sharia, our ahkam, our fiqh, our rulings in terms of what we do and don't do, the halal and the haram, much of that is taken from the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. From the issues that the Quraysh were also oppressive in and the Arabs in general is when it came to the issues of a divorced woman or the rights of a divorced woman or a widowed woman and who had the right to marry her off again or what rights she had in terms of seeking another marriage or inheritance and these types of issues these were also issues that were prevalent in the society of arabia before the coming of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam so allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions to us in these verses a number of of the uh, laws and rulings concerning divorce and concerning what happens in the event of divorce or in the event of a woman becoming widowed in verse 234, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم 
والذين يتوفون منكم ويذرون أزواجا يتربصن بأنفسهن أربعة أشهر وعشرا If any of you die of a neve widows, Allah Azza wa Jal says, the widows should wait for four months and ten nights before remarrying. As we mentioned before, that the idda period is a waiting period that the woman goes into the moment that she separates from her husband. Whether that separation is due to the husband instructing or giving what we call the talaq, which is the divorce, or whether the separation ensues because of the death of the husband. The woman will go into a waiting period. And as we mentioned in the previous uh, episode or two, there are different waiting periods depending upon the scenario, depending upon the situation of the wife and exactly how that divorce takes place and the number of divorces issued and so on and so forth. We mentioned much of that detail in the previous episode or two. Here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is giving us another instruction and that is now in the case of the waiting period for the woman who has become a widow. So as we mentioned before, when it comes to the woman who's divorced and she's been married and is consummated and she's divorced, then we said that Allah Azza said that it is that three monthly period of waiting or three monthly periods in terms of waiting. Here Allah is referring to the woman who's become widowed. She lost her husband, she's now a widow. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, for her the waiting period is four months and ten days. Four months and ten days. Those four months and ten days in that period, that is the time that, it, that we call in Arabic or it is called in the Sharia, in the rulings of fiqh, the idda. And in the idda, during that time, generally, she's not allowed to get married. And when it comes to the woman who's going through the widowed period of waiting, which is different to the waiting period of the woman who's divorced, because the woman who's divorced isn't necessarily uh, suffering a bereavement. It's not because of a, a death of her husband. It is a different type of waiting period in terms of what she can and can't do during that period. But when it comes to the bereavement issue, the woman has become a widow, then the sharia is relatively strict concerning what she can and can't do. And generally speaking, she stays at home unless she can go, unless she needs to go out for some need, such as, for example, a job. She needs a job, she's working. Or, for example, she has needs in terms of buying certain things and so on. Then she goes out. But otherwise, she stays home and she doesn't beautify herself and so on and so forth in those types of ways either during that period of four months and ten days that period of four months of 10 days. So generally we know from the Sunnah of the Prophet that the general practice is that when any person dies from your family, from your friends, from your relatives, from the Ummah in general, the bereavement period is three days. Those are the three days in which it's allowed for a person, for example, not to uh, go to work or not to continue with their daily uh, their, their daily events and so on. Things change because it's the period of condolences, the period of bereavement and so on. The Sharia gives people three days. But because of the, uh, the, 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 the Iman that we have and the trust that we have in Allah Azza wa and our Iman in the decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we're told that it's not the end. The believer who leaves this life, inshallah, will be reunited with the believers in the next life in Jannah. And so therefore three days is given and then you continue. That doesn't mean that you don't still feel sorrow or, or sadness, but it just means that you must try to then continue on with your life, just irrespective of those uh, feelings that you may have of the loss of someone who is extremely close to you. The exception to that rule of the three days is for the husband. When the husband dies, the wife alone must wait for four months and ten days. So this isn't for the daughters or the sons or for any other member of that of the of the family of that deceased. It is specifically for the wife that she waits for the four months and the ten days. And that is one of the ways in which the Sharia 
honors the husband and one of the ways in which we know therefore in the family setup as we mentioned before that the responsibility that the husband takes on and those issues are therefore honored by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in terms of this particular way and that is that she waits for four months and ten days Allah azza wa jalla then continues فَإِذَا بَلَغْنَ أَجَلَهُنَّ فَلَا جُنَاحَ عَلَيْكُمْ فِيمَا فَعَلْنَ فِي أَنفُسِهِنَّ بِالْمَعْرُوفِ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says then after that period has elapsed, meaning the four month and ten days, you will not be blamed for anything they may reasonably choose to do with themselves. Meaning that then they can go back to beautifying themselves. They can go back, for example, if they wish so wish, they can go and start to choose, uh, look for another spouse if they wish to do so. Basically, she can then go back to everything that she was doing before. There is no harm and there is no blame upon her for doing so as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says within the Quran. وَاللَّهُ بِمَا تَعْمَلُونَ خَبِيرٌ And Allah Azza wa Jal is fully aware of that which you do. So these are from the rulings that Allah Azza wa Jal has placed in to the Sharia. There will be another verse now uh, that will come in the next episode in which Allah Subhanahu wa Taala will also speak about that period of waiting, but He will describe it as being a year. And the scholars have, as we will mention, inshallah ta'ala, in the forthcoming episode, the discussion that they have as to whether that's an abrogation or whether that is advice or how that exactly took place. However, generally speaking, so that we're very clear, the waiting period in its strict sense is the four months and ten days that we find within this verse, verse 234 of Surah Al-Baqarah. Allah Azza wa then continues in the next verse, verse 235, when he says, again, still speaking about these issues of divorce, وَلَا جُنَاحَ عَلَيْكُمْ فِي مَا عَرَّدْتُمْ بِهِ مِنْ خِطَبَةِ النِّسَاءِ أَوْ أَكْنَنْتُمْ فِي أَنفُسِكُمْ عَلِمَ اللَّهُ أَنَّكُمْ سَتَذْكُرُونَهُنَّ وَلَكِنْ لَا تُوَاعِدُوهُنَّ سِرًّا إِلَّا أَنْ تَقُولُوا إِلَّا أَنْ تَقُولُوا قَوْلًا مَعْرُوفًا وَلَا تَعْزِمُوا عُقْدَةَ النِّكَاحِ حَتَّى يَبْلُغَ الْكِتَابُ أَجَلَهُ وَاعْلَمُوا أَنَّ اللَّهَ يَعْلَمُ مَا فِي أَنفُسِكُمْ فَاحْذَرُوهُ وَاعْلَمُوا أَنَّ اللَّهَ غَفُورٌ حَلِيمٌ الله سبحانه وتعالى says you will not be blamed whether you give a hint that you wish to marry these women or keep it to yourselves indeed Allah Azza wa knows that you intend to propose to them this is now one of the rulings that are attached to the waiting period the woman who is in her idda she's in a period of, 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 of waiting especially if for example that period has elapsed or for example the period of the the waiting period of the woman who's in her idda because her wife has uh, her husband passed away and she's therefore a widow she's in this waiting period it's not the waiting period where the husband has the right to take back his wife as we said before in the previous uh, verse uh, in the previous episode that there are there is an idda period in which the husband has the right to reconcile with his wife that period of divorce or that waiting period is something which is different. We're talking about now the waiting periods in which a person, uh, for example, may uh, have that, that period has elapsed. So she's not, for example, able to reconcile with her, her husband because the three divorces have been issued. Those three distinct separate divorces have been issued. She can't marry her or go and reconcile with her first husband again anyway. Or the woman is a widow. She has four months and ten days that she must wait for her idda period. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that what you are not allowed to do, and this is understood from the verse because Allah says that there will be no blame upon you if you hint at the issue of marriage. Therefore, we understand that there will be blame upon you, meaning sin upon you. That is what blame refers to here. You will be sinful and disobedient if you 
outwardly and explicitly say that you want to marry that woman during that period in which she is upon her idda, upon her waiting. The Sharia essentially is saying that when a woman is going from through the idda period, so for example, just to make this simpler and streamline it, uh, if we take the example of the woman who is a widow, she has four months and ten days that she must wait. The idda period that she is waiting in, it is not permissible for another man to come and to propose to her during that time, nor is it allowed for her to actively go and seek out a proposal in that way. That is haram. It is something which is sinful. What is allowed? Allah Azawajal says there is no harm in you hinting at something. So for example, a man comes and he makes it known to her that he's interested in getting married. Doesn't say anything about her, doesn't propose to her, doesn't speak to her that I want to get married to you. He just says, I'm looking to get married. Or he says something like, for example, once your waiting period is finished, these four months and ten days, let me know what your plans are, your future plans in terms of what you want to do with your life. He's hinting at something. And she understands that there's a hint here in terms of his interest in marriage. That is something which Allah Azawajal has made allowed. It is permissible to do so. And so that is because from the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is clearly that woman at one point or another will have to continue to move on with her life. She may choose never to get married again, but she may also choose to get married. And so she may want to, for example, start to prepare or at least mentally uh, prepare herself for that eventuality or make some types of preparations for that moment and time when it comes and as it comes. The Sharia then Allah says it is permissible for you to give that hint. Allah says, for indeed Allah knows what you, that you intend to propose to them. Do not make a secret arrangement with them, but rather speak to them honorably and do not confirm their marriage tie until the prescribed period comes to its end. So Allah says Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows what it is that you have in your hearts. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows that you're interested in terms of marriage and so on. But Allah says, be honorable. And from the honor, the honor that the wife or the widowed wife now affords to her first husband, the honor that is given from a Muslim man for his deceased brother in Islam who has passed away, this honor is that you don't go and delve into these issues of marriage during that period. And it is from the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he has pleased to limit on that period. Because amongst the Arabs, as we said, there was no such limit, that they would decide what it is that they would do with their women folk. And for example, sometimes when a woman would get married in some of the cultures of the Arabs before Islam came, it would be the in-laws who would retain that control over her. So once her husband had uh, died and passed away and she was now a widow, rather than going back to her own father, her own brother, her own family, and they would uh, essentially manage her affairs and help her and so on she would remain with her husband's family her in-laws and they would decide if they chose to marry her off to one of their own they would do so and if they chose to keep her in that way without her getting married they would do so they would literally in some of them in some of those cultures they would be the ones to decide and the woman and her family would have little to no say so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that it is from his mercy Allah has given you this time period during this time period abide by those restrictions after it has elapsed then you may continue with the formal way of or the formal proposal of marriage Allah says in the conclusion of this verse, Know that Allah knows what it is in your soul, so be mindful of Him, meaning be careful of Him, meaning do not overstep the boundaries of Allah. Do not just transgress over the, into those things that Allah has prohibited and made haram. Indeed, Allah is most forgiving, most forbearing. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
In verse number 236, Allah Azza wa then continues and he says, لا جناح عليكم إن طلقتم النساء ما لم تمسوهن أو تفرضوا لهن فريضة ومتعوهن على الموسع قدره وعلى المقتر قدره متاعا بالمعروف حقا على المحسنين الله عز وجل says you will not be blamed if you divorce women when you have not consummated the marriage or fixed for them a bridal gift meaning a dowry but make fair provision for them for indeed the rich the rich should do so according to their means the poor according to theirs and that is a duty for those who do good Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is now speaking about the issue of divorce in a particular context and the particular context that we're speaking about here is when the divorce takes place before the consummation of marriage before the marriage is consummated Divorce can happen at, as we know, in a different way, in a number of different ways and a number of different stages. One of the things, one of the parts of the marriage contract, one of the elements of it, and one of the things that is part of the marriage contract is the dowry that the husband gives to the wife. The husband gives it to the wife. It is the norm in some cultures, in some practices, some religions, that it is the wife and the uh, wife's family that give the bridal price to the husband. They're the ones who pay the dowry essentially to the man. In Islam, it is different. It is the man's duty, the husband's, to give it to his wife. The normal ways that this would be done is that it's done or agreed upon at the time of the marriage contract, and then it is paid, or it can be deferred and paid later on, but it is something which has been stipulated and it is known in terms of its quantity and in terms of its type, the type of wealth, and so on and so forth. All of those details are known. However, sometimes the dowry is given meaning that the husband agrees to give a dowry, but it's not stipulated. It's not told how much in terms of money or gold or silver or whatever it may be, that type of wealth isn't stipulated. Then we have a marriage that takes place and a divorce occurs before there is even consummation. Maybe as soon as they get married, the husband changes his mind. Maybe before they they change them, essentially the marriage has not been consummated. And the two of them have not even been secluded together. They have simply not consummated their marriage. And the bridal price has not been fixed, meaning the dowry has not been fixed. Allah Azza wa says in this verse in 236, then what is the ruling? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, there is no harm in this type of divorce. Before consummation, before the bridal price has even been fixed. Because the bridal price or the dowry is given as a result of what the husband will take in terms of consummation of the marriage. Because this marriage has not been consummated, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then says, rather what you should do, but give fair provision to them. Meaning, give them some of that money, however much you can. Allah says again, it is to do with ma'roof, what is the custom and what is good within that custom and acceptable in the sharia. And so therefore Allah doesn't stipulate the amount, but rather he gives a general description that the one who is musi' the one who is comfortable financially, the one who is rich, they should give a gift according to their means. And the one who is poor, the one who's not so comfortable in their financial means, the one whose finances are restricted, they should give according to theirs. 
And so therefore, they should give a provision, they should give some wealth. And we will see in this verse, the next, and in a couple of verses that will come inshallah ta'ala in the next episode, that one of the things that Allah Azza wa Jal tells us within the Quran, because as we know, divorce is one of the most difficult things that a person can go through. It is one of the most hardest and most difficult, challenging moments in a person's life. And there is a lot of taboo and stigma that is attached to it. And part of the reasons, or one of the reasons for that also, is because often, Divorce is something which is very, uh, it is very difficult to resolve because of the conflict that is involved, because of the harshness and the bad feelings and sometimes the enmity and anger that one spouse feels towards the other. It is very difficult therefore for the two of them to part on good terms. It is possible and it happens, but it's not very normally the case unfortunately in many cases. One of the things that we will see in the Sharia is that Allah Azza wa Jal tells us that even in times of parting, in times of divorce, we understand that this is the decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Sometimes this is what happens, it's the nature of life that sometimes those relationships do not work. They're not successful, just as it happens in business, just as it happens in other types of employment spheres, in your job, in your career. Then likewise, it can also happen in this bond of marriage. Sometimes the two of them just have to divorce and they have to leave one another. When that divorce takes place, the Sharia is encouraging us to remain on good terms with those people that we separate from. So Allah Azza wa Jal, as we see in this verse, this person hasn't consummated the marriage, didn't even name a bridal price. But Allah Azza wa Jal is saying, حَقًّا عَلَى الْمُحْسِينِينَ It is a duty upon those who are people of good, people of good character, good conduct, that they would still give something. Because even though the marriage hasn't been consummated, the fact that they went through this, the fact that you go through this whole, uh, this whole process, the fact that people have known, people may have attended the wedding and so on, it is still something which has taken place that is difficult. And so the Sharia says, essentially what you should do is give them some wealth. It doesn't stipulate, it says according to your means and what is comfortable for you, you give for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is something which the Sharia loves and it encourages, it recommends. And that is because the person who, who goes into that situation, they should try it to the best of their ability because at the end of the day, that sister, that woman who was his wife that he now divorces is still his sister in Islam. She still has rights upon him. The family who she's from, her father, her brother, the people around her, the males, they are his brothers in Islam. He may see them in the masjid. He may see them on certain occasions. He may come across them. Sometimes they're related. They're from the same family. And this is what then often happens is because that divorce is considered to be something which is so evil. When it takes place, the whole family now splits up. Maybe the husband and the wife were first cousins or they were close family members. And now the, the their parents don't speak to one another because of this. The families have split up, the tribe splits up, the community splits up because of this divorce. The Sharia doesn't want this. And if you look at the practice and in the in the lifetime of the Prophet, وسلم, there were on a number of occasions, a number of the companions who divorced their spouses and their wives. Happened on more than one occasion. But you don't find narrations in which you see this type of enmity and animosity. You don't find one companion saying, oh, you married my ex-wife or him saying that you divorced the woman that is now my wife and you did this to her and that. No, because they had this understanding of the rights that were upon them, the rights that were upon others. They understood the rulings of the Sharia and more important than the rulings of the Sharia in this type of context is the etiquettes of the Sharia. We have rulings which are your rights, the do's and the don'ts, the halal and the haram. But as Muslims in our sharia, in our religion, in the way that we behave, our conduct, there are adab. 
there are etiquettes, there are mannerisms. Those etiquettes is the way that you be approach something, the way that you behave, the way that you speak. Sometimes you may forego something, even though it is your right, because you have a greater ideal and a greater purpose, and that is to attain the pleasure of Allah Azza wa and His reward. Your patience, your forbearance, your understanding in this issue, it is something from the etiquettes that a Muslim should have across the board in every single thing. And it is easy to have those etiquettes in times of ease, when things are going well or when the issue is in your favor anyway. The rights are yours and you're going to take them. It's nice, it's easy to be gentle when you know that it's coming to you anyway. But when that right may not necessarily be yours or the situation is difficult or that person may, for example, be saying things about you that are unsavory, yes, the Sharia doesn't say that you should just give up your rights or that you don't have any rights, but the Sharia does encourage that you are forbearing, that you are patient, that you are gentle, that you sacrifice for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala if it is possible for you to do so. And so therefore, Allah azza wa jal, look at this beautiful verse, he says, حَقًّا عَلَى الْمُحْسِنِينَ This is the duty and the right of the people of Ihsan. And the people of Ihsan, as the Prophet told us sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, are those who worship Allah as though they see Him. They are the people of the highest level of faith. They are the people who in everything don't look at the today and the now and the dunya, but they look at the tomorrow, meaning the akhirah, the next life. They look at what is with Allah Azza wa and what is more pleasing to Him. And that is the meaning of they worship Allah Azza wa as though they see Him. Everyone else is looking at what I will get today, what I will get tomorrow, my dunya, my benefit, my wealth, my money. They are looking at what is more pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And when you have both people, both parties, thinking in that way, being people of Ihsan, being Muhsinin, the people of good, then a lot of these issues that we have within our community, within our families, within our tribes, within our relatives, they would, a lot of them dissipate. A lot of them would be removed because of the way that we would approach and not just the two people who are the spouses, but their families and their extended families as well. The final verse on this page that we will conclude upon today, inshallah ta'ala, verse 237, still speaks about this issue of divorce. Allah Azza wa Jal says, وَإِن طَلَّقَتُمُوهُنَّ مِنْ قَبْلِ أَن تَمَسُّوهُنَّ وَقَدْ فَرَضْتُمْ لَهُنَّ فَرِيضَةً فَنِصْفُ مَا فَرَضْتُمْ فَنِصْفُ مَا فَرَضْتُمْ إِلَّا أَنْ يَعْفُونَ أَوْ يَعْفُوَ الَّذِي بِيَدِهِ عُقْدَةُ النِّكَاحِ وَأَنْ تَعْفُوا أَقْرَبُ لِلتَّقْوَى وَلَا تَنْسَوُا الْفَضْلَ بَيْنَكُمْ إِنَّ اللَّهَ بِمَا تَعْمَلُونَ بَصِيرٌ الله عز وجل says, if you divorce wives before consummating the marriage, but after fixing a dowry for them, a bridal gift, then give them half of what you had previously fixed unless they waive their right, or unless the one who holds the marriage tie waives his right. Waiving your right is nearer to godliness, and do not forget to be generous towards one another, for indeed Allah sees all that you do. This is a similar scenario as the one before, and that is in the previous verse, and that is that this Divorce has again taken place before consummation. The difference between this verse and the one before 236 is in the previous verse, the dowry was not stipulated in terms of its amount and type and so on. In this one, verse 237, it has been agreed. It has been stipulated. As Allah Azza wa Jal says, وَقَدْ فَرَضْتُمْ لَهُنَّ فَرِيضًا And you have fixed for them their dowry. So we know, for example, it was a thousand pounds. That's what we agreed. Allah Azza wa says, so what do we do now, now that it's been fixed and we know? فَنِصْفُ مَا فَرَضْتُمْ Then give them half of what you agreed. Give them 500 pounds except, uh, except for the thousand. إِلَّا أَنْ يَعْفُونَ Unless she, the woman herself, waives her right. 
She says, you know what? I don't actually want this. We didn't consummate the marriage. I don't really want the money. I don't need it. It's okay. You take it. If she pardons, and to pardon is good as Allah Azza wa Jal will say later on, to waive your right is near to godliness, which is a general, a general principle in the Sharia that to forgive something or to sacrifice something for the sake of Allah is more beloved to Allah Azza wa Jal. You don't give it up just for no reason. You're doing it for Allah's reward because there is a greater good in doing so. It's not going to bring a harm. It's not going to cause problems. It is a good and a greater good, and you give up a right that is yours. To forgive and to pardon, it is something which is closer to Allah Azza wa And that is why the Prophet told us, وسلم, whoever leaves something for the sake of Allah, Allah will give them something better in its place. So she gives up her right. Or the one who holds the marriage contract, the uqdatun nikah, or the marriage tie, waives the right. Who is this person? This is where the scholars differ. Some of the scholars said that it is the wali of the woman, the guardian of the woman, and some of them specified that it can't just be any guardian, but the father of the bride. Because Allah says, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that either she gives up her right, or the one who holds the marriage tie gives up her right, meaning the guardian, that he speaks on her behalf and he says, you know what, it's okay. And as her father, as a male guardian, he has that right to do so. That is one tafsir. The other position amongst the scholars of tafsir and both of these uh, statements or both of these positions and opinions you will find amongst the companions of the Prophet ﷺ. The other position is that the one who gives up, the one who holds the marriage tie is the husband. So what is the difference in terms of tafsir then? How do we understand this verse? On the first position that the one who holds the marriage tie is the guardian or the father of the bride, then the forgiveness is only from one side. The forgiveness is from one side. So it is only the, the wife's side that can forgive. So he owes half of the dowry, the husband, 500 pounds, for example. They can, either one of them say, it's okay, we don't want it. On the tafsir that the one who holds the marriage tie is the husband, then the forgiveness and the pardoning can occur from both sides. The wife can say, I don't want anything. The husband can say, no, I will give you everything. Take the full amount. Alhamdulillah, I don't need it and whatever. And I'm sorry for the trouble that I caused you. Take it all. And this is what Allah is referring to. And you find this difference of opinion amongst the scholars as to who it is referring to. And both of them have their strengths, even though it seems and Allah knows best, that what is more apparent is that the one who holds the tie is the husband. And this is closer to the beauty of the sharia. That just as the wife can give up her rights, the husband also can give up his rights. And each one is being told, when ta'fu aqrabu taqwa to do so is closer to godliness. Allah says, وَلَا تَنْسَوُ الْفَضْلَ بَيْنَكُمْ And do not forget to be generous towards one another. In all cases of divorce, especially when those people, the husband and the wife, have lived together for many years, maybe have children together, sometimes even have grandchildren together. They've stayed together for so many years, so much of their life has been shared. And now for one reason or another, they're going to divorce. Allah Azza wa is saying, don't forget all of the good that you shared, all of the good that you had before you, because if that is the mindset with which you approach the issue of divorce, you're more likely to do it amicably. You're more likely to part ways in a way that is good, in a way of ihsan, in a way that is a way of goodness. Allah Azza wa Jal says, for indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sees and knows everything that which you do. And with that, inshallah ta'ala, we come to the end of today's uh, episode. Barakallahu feekum wa sallallahu ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim.